Hello and happy Friday to everybody out there. This is the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is May the 21st, 2021, and my name is Frank Huerta, and I'm joined by Alex Kenzie. Hello, hello, man. I'm uh, coming to you live and direct from Toledo, Ohio. TOL. Yes, this uh, our first episode on the road, man. It's Hell exciting. yeah. How goes the glass? <laughs> goes well. It's nice and sunny here today. Uh, my mom's lawn people are outside, so if you guys hear lawnmowers, I apologize, but nothing I can do about it. So, Mama Kenzie's quite the green thumb, I see. <laughs> quite, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, she's she's uh, done a really good job, man. There's gardens like all around this thing, like side of the house, all back is like a, like a little rainforest. It's, she's all about it. Looks like you're recording in a small green room. Yeah, it's like a little sunroom. It's it's nice, man. It's good good vibes, good vibrations. Nice. So how you been? What are you, what are you doing in Toledo? Been good. Uh, so actually, my sister Jasmine graduates from college or <laughs> from high school on uh, nice. Sunday, and then uh, her graduation party is the following weekend. So instead of doing the drive twice, uh, not that it's that terribly long, but you know, just instead of doing it twice and you know, that way we can come and hang out with the family and all that good stuff. We just said, eh, screw it. Let's just go to Toledo for a couple of weeks. So this will be the home base for a little while. So I'm excited. It should be fun. Well, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> eh, a good change up, man. It's all right. It should be fun. I'm just worried about working out because I'm not with my gym. So I got to find a gym that uh, will let me sign up for like a week or something. There's one thing I don't like. It's deflated Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the pump up. <laughs> I guess I'm saying I got some good progress going, man. I just don't want to, I don't want to lose it and start eat. Like what happens a lot of times when I come home is like, I'll just come home and, you know, maybe not exercise as much as I should, or I just come home and like drink party eat like shit and, uh, never good. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen this time. Cause that'd be a long time to do that. It sucks. Doesn't it? When you get in a groove and then, you know, you eat that one croissant and it's like, ah, it's just a croissant, you know? And then you're like, ah, I'll have some pizza tonight. And then the next thing, well, I'm already on this train. I'll have a burger, you know. Go out drinking. Taco Bell sounds good. Next thing you know, four months later, you're 25 pounds overweight and you don't know how it happened. <laughs> it just starts with one, man. It snowballs. Really it does, does, dude. It sucks. And not that we're old or anything, but it's certainly noticeable more. Yeah. Oh, man. The older you get into your into your days. That one croissant does a whole lot more damage than it used to. Yeah, it always makes you think of. You remember Big Daddy when when he's he's talking to, uh, to the kid. He's he's like, I drink a milkshake and my ass jiggles for a week. Like that's literally how I feel, bro. Like I start <laughs> if I start eating like shit, like it just I'll continue to eat like shit, and I I feel terrible, man. I don't I don't know. So we'll see. But it's at the end of the day, it is a control thing. It, it is. Yeah. Well, for sure. And if you're used to eating good. I wouldn't say good food, tasty food. That's not good for you Yeah. You know, throughout your whole life. Then, you know, you know what it is like, you, you know, it's there in your mind. My problem is that when I get, I'll see, a, I'll see something that I know is terrible for me and, I, and I'll justify eating it because I'll just run it off later. And, um, that doesn't work. Yeah. You right, just, you're right. still flabby. You're just a different type of flabby. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, big news today uh, or yesterday, I think it came out. Um, ceasefire, maybe. Yeah, what went into effect this morning? Um, there was some like testiness earlier, but it seems like everything's good. Um, but yeah, it went into effect uh, this morning, and um, 
it officially ends, you know, 11 days of, of fighting conflict uh, in which more than 250 people were killed. Uh, most of them were in Gaza. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's awesome. It's it's not like it's over necessarily, but they're they have declared a truce for now to see if they can try to negotiate this peacefully. Uh, funny enough, both Israel and Hamas have both claimed victory in this conflict and in the I ceasefire. saw that. Yeah, <laughs> I so, saw that they're having like victory rallies uh, yeah. after their prayers. I, I mean, hey, there's no more bombings going on. So I, I guess you can look at that as a win for both sides, you know, but um, it doesn't seem like it's over to me, especially if both sides are claiming victory. It seems like this will probably come to a it'll bubble again soon, shortly. Well, when our brothers in Christ are are locked in battle is anyone winning i don't think so <laughs> uh the israel uh military came out and said that 4300 rockets were fired towards its territory uh by hamas and that it struck they they fired and hit a uh, thousand military targets in gaza during this conflict so uh, that's a lot. Those are didn't you say those are like ninety grand each? Each of those rockets. The defense, the defense missiles, the the interceptors. Oh, yeah. gotcha. That's what it was. Okay. Or ninety thousand. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, I guess w- whatever whatever it is that the uh, whatever it is that the uh, however many of those rockets that were fired into Israel were shot down by the Israeli defenses. That's how much those got. I'm sh- I'm sure yeah. the. the the aggressive ones aren't aren't cheap either. Sure. Uh, one thing, the, the really only thing I found interesting because not, not a ton has happened. Like this just this just kind of was announced, kind of just went into effect. Um, but one thing I found interesting, kind of tied to uh, your your point at the beginning of the monologue of the couple episodes ago, um, was like everyone's you know globally a lot of people are looking at this as like this is awesome, this is amazing, we're happy. Uh, but actually, Prime Minister Benjamin, and I think how you say this is Netanyahu. Netanyahu. Okay, yeah. Uh, he actually faced criticism from some in Israel saying that he halted the conflict too soon, which like if you, you're looking at all your global news, everyone wanted this thing to end. But it actually, it sounds like a lot of people in Israel wanted to see them like take out Hamas and like end this conflict for, for good for good. Um, the Even like the mayors of two cities, uh, Sederat and Ashkelon, uh, which were two of the Israeli towns that were hit the hardest by rockets from Gaza. Uh, They were among like his fiercest critics voicing their disappointment and saying that they should have eliminated Hamas during this, like use this as an opportunity to do so. So, you know, it's, it's interesting when you see the whole world calling for peace, 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 but like the people there were like, let's end this, like go (laughs) shoot more rockets. Right. Well, (laughs) you know, it kind of ties back to that point we were talking about last time. I think the reason that the Palestinians might be able to 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 look at this and say that there's some sort of victory to be celebrated is because there there was a I wouldn't call it a surrender it's called a ceasefire but obviously Israel has the upper hand and they 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 caved in here a little bit probably because they were under such gr- like an immense global pressure to end their their military efforts. Mm. And if I am a mayor of one of these cities in Israel and I know that more or less, this is just a stop in the violence. It's by no means a clear end, um, regardless of how long it takes for, for these, for, for these Hamas militants to regroup and, and get their act together. And then 
do the same thing all over again. You know what I'm saying? Like where, mm-hmm. where does it end? Where does it stop? Because we know for damn sure that it doesn't stop with the secession of any ground by Palestinians. That's just culturally not their move. So they're not going to stop advancing their cause. They're not going to come to the table and negotiate peace or negotiate uh, a two-state system. They don't. They don't care about that. They care about the annihilation of Israel and taking back what they feel like is rightfully theirs in land um, that Israelis now occupy. So, so you know, I can understand those those sentiments from from Israeli officials saying, "Hey, we didn't we didn't do enough. We needed to get cut the root out of this." Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I fear that we're just talking about a little little break here. Which is, hey, I mean, that's going to save lives. So at the end of the day, it is a, it is a win. But, yeah, that, I think this thing's far from over. Yeah, cer- certainly far from over. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on what happens after this to see, what, you know, if there is anything that happens, um, anybody that steps in and tries to negotiate some sort of solution. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, bar- barring something crazy, I think the only solution going forward is going to be strength. Yeah. And uh, and with that comes violence. So we'll see. Well, I'm gl- glad that this hasn't spilled over and that, you know, more countries weren't involved violently than have already been involved or whoever was helping Palestine in this conflict and even beforehand. Um, I'm, I'm glad that there was no official uh, declaration of war from any other country and and that, you know, for now at least, it looks like diplomacy has, has done a, a patch-up job. And it looks like we're going to go in and start like help with reconstruction efforts already, uh, which maybe is a little premature if like this okay. thing could escalate again and, and you know... <laughs> the reconstruction is just like destroyed again, but it, it does look like Biden's working with the UN to try to help provide assistance in Israel and in Gaza. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty widespread, the destruction. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm all for it, you know? Um, and, and that's another thing that, that gets lost in all this is that these, these militants, you know, f- for whatever reason, maybe they just don't have the option to, gather centrally but i think it's strategic that they hide and in the midst of this of the civilian population um and so when something like this happens and israel's forced to go on the offensive because of being attacked then it it is going to result in the destruction of civilian life for the purpose of uh, military strategic operations. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna destroy it for military reasons, then I think the only right thing to do is to go in there and provide humanitarian aid for the, for the things that you help destroy. Yeah. I mean, all for it. That's, that's good news. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll keep you guys updated. Uh, but, but I think our, our main story today, um, is going to be, uh, taking us to the world of tech. So, Al, if you were to create a game um, and you were to put that game, we'll call it something like, but not necessarily Fortnite. And you were to put this game on Apple's App Store. You played games on App Stores, right? Um, uh, on, yeah. on your iPhone before? 
Mm-hmm. When you play these games, they're more or less free to download. And then there are in-app purchases that you can make to supplement whatever you're doing, to buy add-ons, to buy upgrades, to get you further in the game. And that's how these apps make their money. But if you were to put your app on the Apple on the Apple App Store, as you would, being the biggest app store, one of the biggest app stores, at least in America, if not the world, um, then you could face up to a 30% fee every time somebody takes or makes a payment in your game. And that very reason is why Apple CEO Tim Cook will be taking the stand today in a lawsuit against Apple by Epic Games. Epic Games makes Fortnite. And last year... um, Epic Games put in a sort of like a bypass for Apple App Store's uh, cut of their of their profits. So they put in this pay system that allowed users of the game that paid for an upgrade in the game to send the money, and that money went straight to Epic. Oh. And Apple is very strict on these rules. So they caught it immediately and they kicked Fortnite off of their app store. Boom. Can't do that. Against the rules, they violated the terms of being on the app store. Boom. They were kicked off. And Epic did that more or less to prove a point. They they did want to keep the investment or they did want to keep the payment for themselves, but they knew they were going to get figured out and they did it more or less to make a point, and then they filed suit against Apple. Um, and they're claiming that Apple is acting as a monopoly in this sector, taking this 30% cut, as much of, as a 30% cut, maybe not always, and they're, they're operating unfairly. Apple's justification for taking as much money as they're taking is saying that their that cut that they take is to cover expenses mainly to maintain user privacy right so that you don't get inundated with malware or you don't have somebody come in and you know take your phone for ransom or what have you um, they're saying that that money allows all these apps on their app store to run properly and safely for every user. While that makes sense, Epic's argument to that is, well, it's not your it's not your app store that is maintaining that safety. It's your operating system that's maintaining that safety. And Epic has nothing to do with the operating system other than that their app store other than their app is running on the app store that's on the operating system. So it gets kind of convoluted. But Tim Cook is being sent out there by Apple to take the stand and make the case to the judge that their 30% cut is justified, that they are protecting users and they have a fantastic track record of protecting users and that people aren't getting hacked and people aren't being set uh, ransomware and that they're not a monopoly and that other app stores um, charge a fee for the very same thing, maybe not to the extent that Apple does. Um, But the real reason that they're they're protecting this is because it is a multi 
billion dollar revenue stream for Apple. I mean, just think about how many people are paying for things in their apps and to get a 30% cut of that. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that is a significant amount. If you were to start a business today and sell a product and your profit margin was 30%, you would be killing it. You know what I'm saying? Like that is giant, 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 giant. So, um, I understand more or less both sides to this. Um, you know, it's Apple at the end of the day. And if, and if they're, you know, if they say this is going to be one way, then, you know, more or less that's what the way it's going to be. But I, I applaud Epic for taking the fight to them and pushing back a little bit because, you know, you'd be, you'd be lucky as an app developer to create one successful app that a bunch of people use and you may never create something like that again. For example, Fortnite. Now I'm sure Epic has more games than just Fortnite, but the tremendous success of Fortnite um, is undercut by the amount of money that's being taken away from them. And they really have no control over that. So uh, very interesting story. And first time that Tim Cook has ever testified in court before. So, um, wow. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I I see it from both sides for sure. On one side, I'm not a big Epic Games fan in general. Um, when they first came out, I love them. They they're, they're the people that made Gears of War. That's how they got famous. Uh, okay, okay. Um, and they created that Unreal Engine, which is the same engine used in Fortnite. Um, but I've I've never been a big fan of Fortnite, just like as a game. And then uh, what Epic did, uh, where they, if you're familiar with Fortnite, like they bring in where you can do like these dances. Yes. Like, yes in the game like I don't play it a bunch I, I'm not sure if it's only in the game or like when you kill people you can do it or if it's just like when you win you can celebrate um, but basically they were they were grabbing all these dances Millie Rock I can't even think of them all but they, they were grabbing all these different dances that other people had made you know Carlton Floss Millie Rock and putting these animations into the game, but giving zero credit to any of the people that made these dances mm, yep, or, or made yep. them big. And they got taken to court for all this stuff. Um, so I just, as a result of that, it's kind of like, well, screw you guys. Like <laughs> when I hear something like this, my first thing is like, well, like you guys sound like you're kind of assholes too. And, and how you operate in a way, uh, if you're like stealing content from people and not paying them for it and you're making a shit ton of money, um, and also like how I would look at it, it's like, well, I mean, Apple has made this platform and whether it's security or server hosting or yada, 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 whatever it is, it is probably a beast of a thing to maintain and upkeep. And I'm sure that when Epic games like assigned into their agreement to work with Apple, like it's probably very, I'm sure they had good lawyers looking at it saying like, we are taking 30% of your shit. You are, do you agree? And they must've agreed if they're on the platform. So it's like. You at, at the end of the day, yeah, maybe you're salty because you're losing profits, but like they set the rules and you agreed to the rules. Like now you got to operate. Or if you think you can, you know, don't need Apple, fuck them, make your own platform. See how that goes. Like see how hosting your own whatever service would work for you. But obviously, if not, there's not that many out there. You know, there's the Google Play Store, the Apple Store, a, a few others. You know, obviously, there's, there's, it's either hard to break into or, you know, there's not, it's, it's done pretty damn well by the people that do it. So, you know, bind to the system or create your own, I guess. Yeah. And you know, I, I, to your point there, they're not be, they're not going to court 
to argue why they got kicked off of the platform. I mean, I think it's very clear that they violated the terms of their agreement of being on this platform. Um, But to, you know, they're... Like I said, they they did it to make a point. They did it to 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 say you know to, to bring visibility to to the to this company that what they're doing. Um, in the industry, this this business model of the app store has been called the walled garden, and what they're saying is that to convince the people who aren't in this within these walls that there is some higher purpose other than profitability to be within these walls. And so what they're saying is they justify that with security. And I think they're taking them to court to prove the point that it may not be the security that is actually the reason that they charge the money. Even though that revenue might go to security, it doesn't go to the security of the App Store directly. It goes to the security of the operating system that Apple runs, which it's so facto makes the App Store right. incredibly safe. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 I never have an issue with people leveraging their position even if it is to make a buck, right? Because like you say, if if it's something that you have such an issue with, then there are other places. And that's that's more or less Facebook's, um, or excuse me, Apple's argument. We're not the only place you can put your game. Mm -hmm. You can put it on a console. You could put it on the Google App Store. um, You could put it on a PC. You know, this game travels and it doesn't mean that because you don't like our terms that you can't make a success out of your product. And, um, you know, is it, is it, is it greedy? You could, you could, you could paint it a prettier picture than that. Um, but is it profit driven? Sure. What what the hell are they in business for? I mean, what are you doing if not to, if not to better your product for everybody that uses it? And when have we not paid a premium for Apple? Right. And that's, that's like what Apple has always like prided itself on is security. That's why people buy a MacBook. My last MacBook lasted me 12 years. I never ran antivirus stuff on it once. Like the operating system at its core is strong. Like it's good. It's, you don't need to run Norton and all this other shit like you do on PCs. And I would have to imagine that some form of that rolls into the app store and their other platforms that they have. And, you know, whether or not they're making a bunch of money, it just sounds to me like Epic's just being kind of whiny bitches here. Like you, like you said, you don't have to use our platform. Our platform is the best and most widely used in the whole world, probably because it's the best platform. And there's shit that goes into that. Not only just the security, like you also have to hire the people to run and support and update and yada, yada, yada. Like Apple shouldn't have to explain themselves and how they want to operate. If a new burger place opens up and they want to sell hamburgers, cheeseburgers, whatever, they can't go and be like, well, McDonald's has a monopoly and we don't, they're the way they're doing their profits. They're making 80 cents a burger and and really should only be making 40 cents. Like, no. (laughs) <laughs> like get into another business if, if that's not what you want make your own platform to host these games if, if you're unhappy with what apple's doing but they're the leader and it, it obviously works 
if if you don't like their terms that they set ahead of time, then then don't don't do business with them. That's your choice. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's worth noting that this isn't the only um, this isn't the only complaint. Um, it's it's more or less the first that has made it into the mainstream. But Spotify has taken them to court in in Europe. Um, and and they're doing so f- for uh, antitrust violations as well. Yeah. Um, and Facebook is has been publicly uh, critical of the Apple um, App Store model, and um, so you know it, it's not it's not just this company, it, it, and it's uh, and the one reason that I ex- I respect this fight is because they are taking it to Apple for what I imagine is a lot. If you have if you have, I mean, I don't know a more popular game than Fortnite, right? Facebook, biggest social media network in the world, and Spotify, one of the biggest music streaming services in the world. If they're all standing up and saying, hey, we think this is kind of screwed up, we don't like the way that it's going, then you got to imagine if it affects them, it affects the little the little people too. And so I, I think them taking the, the fight to Apple like this, I, I like it on principle. I love to see that happen, um, but I, I, I one for would be really shocked if the if the judge ruled in favor here of of, of Epic Games and 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 ruled in, in favor saying that Apple was operating as a monopoly here. To me, it would be I don't know. It would set a weird precedent because I don't think that they're a monopoly. I think that they are in a highly leverageable position and they have exercised their right to the fullest extent that they know how I, you remember that story about uh, Martin Screlly, the, the, yeah. the guy who was, was selling the, um, what was it? The, he was selling the medicine at a super high markup. It was the, yeah, but it was the, uh, what's it called? The EpiPen. Epi, yeah. Insulin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was in a position because of the patents that he held to leverage what he had and it would have made it way more and it did make it incredibly more expensive for reasons of profit and he's a douchebag and he did get sent to court and i think he he went he ended up going to jail for some other reason but he was in a highly leverageable position that he knew that he could take advantage of and he did i would separate those two though for sure well, sure, but I think the same concept is uh, the concept is the same, regardless if it's a patent in in, in medicine or if it's Apple in their app store charging thirty percent. I mean, look, dude, especially if you're somebody like Spotify, Facebook, or Epic Games, or you have tens of millions of people operating on your app in this app store, that is substantial money. Apple knows it, and that's why they're fighting so hard for it. But at the same time, Apple has to support tens of millions of those users using their platform. Like it's not just like they put they make it available, you take the app and you're gone. Like Apple has to provide the security, like they're saying, for those tens of millions of people that are using Spotify, the additional hundred million people that are using Facebook. That's a big infrastructure to support that, man. If Spotify and Facebook think they can do it better, go get your own platform. You obviously can't. You guys are both big enough companies that you could figure out how to do it if you really wanted to, but they don't. So if they're not going to, you have to play in the rules because that is a shit ton of traffic for Apple to 
support and protect and and direct like it, it's it doesn't see 30 percent doesn't seem like a lot to me man like for what they're really for what their infrastructure is actually supporting at the end of the day for all those huge companies yeah true um yeah true um i i i don't i don't disagree with it um and and that's why i think that while epic has a, a gripe here and a and a, you know more than a more than a reasonable one in my opinion i don't see them winning anything mm. legally because yeah. they are you know all apple's doing is leveraging their position mm-hmm. and um even if it yeah i don't know 30 like percent that's a that, that is a ton yeah no. a little bit a little bit um but when you get more people on board like like they got going and you get, and you're getting sued in different countries seems to me that there is a consensus that this, that this way of doing things, although it is justified probably legally, um, is pissing a lot of people off. Sure. Yeah. No one likes missing money. So yeah, we'll keep you guys updated on that. I I don't know. Uh, I know he's taking the stand today and and I'm sure there's going to be at least a few more days of this trial before anything gets, uh, gets handed down how has uh, your rainfall been out there frank a terrible terrible rainfall now m- me personally i don't care about that because uh, <laughs> i hate the rain <laughs> you know we have this uh we have this seasonal uh we call it may gray and june gloom out here mm-hmm. and it's just like seasonal offshore flow comes in from the ocean sets in every morning for about two months usually uh burns off by the end of the afternoon but uh more or less cool, cool mornings in May, uh, throughout, uh, throughout May and into June. And, um, we're so spoiled that we, you know, we can't stand it. Like I'm looking outside right now and it's cloudy. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. Um, and I think that they should put a, uh, a seasonal weight on our rent for May and June Get and charge us just a little bit less because we're paying a lot of Paying a lot of money for sunshine, damn it, and we don't get it for two months. <laughs> Anyways, uh, besides that, we don't. We're we're pretty notorious out here for having droughts, and um, we're in a big one right now. Um, and it's not just uh, California; it's pretty much the entire West. We've had a, a very dry winter, um, and. The fear is that we have uh, a fire season like we had last year, which just was absolutely devastating. Um, that's a whole other show in and of itself. If you want to get into wildfires, it's a fascinating topic because more or less the environmental regulations in California are driving higher um higher fire wildfire rates because of the restrictions uh, that that we've put into place of going into forests and taking down trees what these people used to do these loggers they used to clear the forest and it used to make it way less uh, uh flammable took all the tinder all the brush all the tinder went, yeah. yeah 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 anyways so so that is the that is the worry always is that when you don't have rain you have a terrible fire season for the Midwesterners like myself, uh, what is fire season usually? Like what period? So um, it's usually anytime after June into like December with the worst months being like 
September through November. And it's just because it's so dry that like a spark can just... Correct. So it's dry, but the worst of it is when we get these Santa Ana winds. And Mm. that is when the wind blows from east to west. So you have all the offshore flow that usually comes in like this is now coming in like this. And it's so dry and it's so hot and the winds are blowing so fast and so hard that one little spark and you have no control. You you can't, literally, you cannot do anything about it. You have to just maybe water down things in its wake. But the problem there is like, you could, you could, you could see a fire burning from like, uh, from like South East to like Northwest. And then in two minutes, those winds are going to blow this way. So now the fire that was going from Southeast to Northwest is now going, uh, North East, just like that. And it, it can change in an instant and it's completely unpredictable. So wow. wildfires out here are, uh, they're a huge deal. Um, we put houses on top of mountains and we make them incredibly isolated and we put a ton of brush around them and uh, you never know when it could be your turn. And and the worst of it is if it if a fire originates anywhere within like five miles of where you live, you have 30 seconds to go. You get a knock on your door. You need to get the hell out of there. Get clothes, get your animals and that's why we were told to have a box prepared with photos and things that we don't want to lose. But you don't have any time. When that knock comes, you're out. You're gone. Wow. Any any more time that you waste, you're you know you're in you're in the wake of it. Hmm. So that's the fear right now about drought in California. That the water is the 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 rainfall. Typically, the excuse me, the lack of rainfall typically means um, a heightened fire season. But the, the other problem that doesn't get nearly as much attention is what a drought means to our farmers. Um, if you had to guess the percentage of farms, like for the entire United States, well, I in California, first thing that comes to mind, I know you guys like do most avocados in the country. I know you do a lot of the wine. I don't think there's like many cornfields or anything. I, I would guess total number of farms in the country, 48%. 4% of all the farms in the country reside in California. I'm an idiot. That's a um, gross overestimation. <laughs> well, you're, well, that's not, that's not too, I mean, there's a reason that you might say that because, um, we produce half of the country's food with only 4% of the farms, 4% of the farms, because it's very specialized stuff that we eat all the time. There's 66 crops in California that we lead the nation in growing. And we grow almost all of the almonds, artichokes, dates, figs, raisins, kiwis, olives, peaches, pistachios, prunes, pomegranates, sweet rice, and walnuts. Nobody else grows those in, in, in America except California. So if you were to drive, so you got, you got California, right? Big, giant, huge fucking state, big, giant state. You, San Diego and LA shore up the Southern part of California, right? So you got this nice Southern, beautiful part of California. As soon as you go North in the middle of California, past Los Angeles, all the way up, literally all the way up past San Francisco, just all farms, 
all the way up. Big, giant rural area. Part of California that a lot of people don't think of, and it's most of California. Um, and so when you don't have the rainfall, particularly when you don't have the rainfall in the western part of the United States where a drought is reaching, you know, it's it's reaching its fingers out into like Colorado, um, then there's a lot of reason to worry, not just for California's in infrastructure and economy, but for our ability to grow food for the rest of the country. Um, and like, it's, it's almost hard to overstate the importance of California as far uh, in terms of, of what we eat. Um, these are old numbers too. I think this is like 2013, but these are, these are, these are numbers of, of, uh, what these farms earned, um, for, for what they grow or, or make, um, Milk, which is the biggest one, we should do. We should do a show on milk, man. Milk is a wild industry. Well, yeah, um, let's do it. Uh, so they earned six point nine billion dollars. Grapes. Who knew there was this money, money in grapes? Grapes, four point five billion dollars. Almonds, four point three billion dollars. Strawberries, one point nine billion dollars. Lettuce, one point five billion dollars. Walnuts, one point three billion dollars. Tomatoes, one point two billion dollars. I mean. We're talking serious, serious, serious industry that relies, obviously, on water. Um, why are we spending $7 billion on milk, I wonder? Mm -hmm. We should get into that. Because that is that's crazy. It, it, has, it has to do with like, uh, like World War II laws, the reason that we still make so much milk. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's tough times out here for California. And it's, you know, when it, when it gets to the point... I mean, back in like 2014, 15 was when it was like really bad. Where like, if you were to go, I remember, I remember going to get tacos in Santa Cruz one day and they asked you to like limit the amount of water you used washing your hands, um, because it was that serious. I remember getting, um, it was my dad. It was me and my dad. No, it was me. I was, <laughs> I was washing my car in my dad's driveway and somebody stopped roll down their window and yelled, don't you know, we're in a drought. Uh, and you know, people took it really, really seriously. Uh -huh. Um, and hmm. I think, I think the common, like the common fear is that you or I are going to run out of water and that's probably never going to happen. But the, the amount of water used by farms in California is like, just a staggering amount for good reason. You know, they have to grow. Like I forget how much, I think it's like a, I don't want to misrepresent it. It's a ton of money to grow almonds and it's a ton of water to grow, like a ton of water to grow almonds. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a national story. It's a story that everybody should be watching because if there isn't enough water in California, um, then that means tough times for everybody. And it probably means higher prices at the grocery store. <sighs> Keep an eye, keep an eye on it. We should definitely oh, yeah. do a milk episode. That'd be really Dude, fun. Dude, yes. I mean, <laughs> it just reminded me. Week. It, it is such an interesting, interesting thing. Do you drink milk? I, I no, I don't. I, uh, I stopped drinking milk probably five years ago, four years ago. I, I, I drink only almond milk now. Oh, um, really? And I'm not, I'm not drinking cups of almond milk, but like yeah. for smoothies, for cereal, oatmeal. But yeah, I, I don't really drink like 2% milk or anything like that anymore for sure man i think the only time i use milk is like baking or cooking that re it requires it mm -hmm. um 
I hate milk. Dude, it's gross. And I, it's, I saw some it? documentary about all the pus and shit that's in milk, and it's just, it just, it grossed me out too much. Yeah, it's, it's, it is wild why we produce so much uh, and why we push it. And uh, yeah, we should definitely get into that. Um, if but, you know about milk, let us know. Come on the episode with us. Let's, let's talk oh yeah. milk. Um, switching gears here. Uh, sports are a very contentious area right now when it comes to uh, who can play them. And we're talking, of course, of transgendered athletes, a very contentious issue. Um, but I don't know why it is. In which way? Go on. I don't know why it's a contentious issue in sports that people have an issue with a transgender woman playing women's sports. Like if you're going to talk about who's a woman and who's not a woman and this, that, and the other, to be honest with you, that is not my fight. That's for you. You're speaking a different language to me and I am not going to sit here and learn your language just to uh, uh, appease you, right? Like if you were to take this show and play it in Taiwan, I wouldn't expect people to take my words and use them and, and implement them in Taiwan because they don't understand what the hell that I'm saying. Mm-hmm. What we do know for sure and what is completely undebatable, this is facts, is you can't have an opinion on this because it's not an, a matter of opinion, it's a matter of fact. If you were born a man, if you were born with male chromosomes, you have a distinct physical advantage over somebody who was born with female chromosomes. I'm talking about men and women here. There's a transgender woman who won a professional golf tournament in Florida. Okay. Her name's Haley Davidson. Haley Davidson won her first uh, professional golf tournament in Florida and has aims now at the LPGA. Now, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition here because there are so many women who could go out on the course, play from the same tees as me, and just dust my ass. And it's the same for you, because we're not great golfers, right? And there are plenty of women out there who are fantastic golfers. But there's a picture of this woman after one of her fellow competitors has teed off. Her competitor is walking off the tee, and she's walking up to the tee. And you see her back, and you see this other woman walking away from her and it is a night and day difference. We're talking about big, broad shoulders, giant legs, about six inches taller and just like undeniably more physically capable of playing a sport. And I just, I can't understand why we allow that. Am I wrong? Is there, is there, am I missing something here? No, I, I completely agree with you, man. I, I think that, I, I think that it, it's, it's a gray area these days because one, you have science that would dictate if you're a man or you're a woman. And like, that seems pretty straightforward, but like these days it seems that like feelings tend to trump science in a way. And, and now it's, you know, and that, that's fine. Like that's, that is 
I can't tell someone how to feel or, or how to be like, that's, if that's how they feel, that's totally how they should be able to live their life and be happy. I, I am on board with that. You do what you need to do. At the end of the day, it's based off feelings. Like you were born a man and you feel like you're a woman. You should be able to live your life as a woman. Great. Awesome. We need to like, we, we're part of a, a movement or something in this country where like it's it's all about inclusivity inclusivity i think sometimes we need to draw like hard lines though with that and sports is a very very big one like you're saying like here in golf and maybe you'll see that in golf for sure guys will have some more distance but like you just said a woman could there's tons of women that would beat the shit out of me in golf but i see these stories of of guys that still had eligibility or people who used to be men that that still have college eligibility and now are going back to play college basketball and now they've gone through this 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 gender change and they're now women and and they're playing basketball these full-grown what used to be men playing basketball against you know college girls and there's a there is a very distinct advantage when you come to a sport like basketball where you know someone who was born a man would destroy you know most of the time just be able to out physical many of the women so that were born women so it's 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 i think like in these kind of things we need to like draw hard lines where it's like you need to you can you know in in your day-to-day and and your life and all these things you should be able to do that but like and and live your best life be yourself you shouldn't have to hide like if you feel like if you're born a man but you feel like you're a woman who am i to say like you shouldn't be able to like live your life as a woman but i think that like our like i'm saying our society needs to be like that's okay. That's accepted. We're, we're good with that. But like, here is a big prop. Like sports is a, is a spot where, you know, you could go out and hurt these girls, you know, with, with your body type because of just pure genetics, you know, and it's, it's, that's not based off feelings. That's based off like your physical body and science. So like, you know, we don't have girls playing football really like other than being kickers, you know, because a, a guys would most of the time, hurt a lot of women. I'm, yes, there's probably a couple women that would, you know, lay dudes out, but like on the whole that is in place because it is not safe. There are, is a WNBA and an NBA because it is very different. The games are played very different. One is way more, um, you know, based on skill and shooting prowess while the other is, or was based more on, on physicality and, and, you know, domination in the post down low. Now it's changing to three points and actually kind of taking on a lot of aspects of the WNBA, but they're separate for reasons. And, and, and if we start blurring these lines and, and letting people that were born as men play basketball with high school and college girls, like <laughs> I think it's a, a slippery slope, man. It is a slippery slope and it comes down to weak leadership. Whoever is running the LPGA or whoever is in charge of leadership at, for women's golf is obviously more scared of the backlash of taking a stance to not allow a transgender woman to play in the sport because of their distinct physical advantages. And that's all that it is. And it's not, like I said, it's not a matter of opinion. When you are born a biological male and you have all these years of testosterone conditioning and your and your brain hardwired at birth being a man that gives you a distinct advantage over somebody who was not born that way and that is just 
a fact. There's literally no other way to put it. And that's not, listen, it's not an attack on this person. It's not saying that this person, um, I, I should get her name because I don't want to just keep saying this person. I think I said it before. Haley Davidson. Yeah. Haley Davidson. Haley Davidson wants to go out and compete in golf. Okay. I understand that you're going to have that one, but it has to be something that we acknowledge that if you are going to make a transition into this body and this person that you know that you've always been, then it has to come with some sort of stipulation that unfortunately your position is going to disqualify you from doing certain things. You, you know, you can't, you can't just sit here and have everything. And, and, and it, to me, what this, what this, what this really says, and the message being sent to the women that are playing is that we aren't here to stand up for you. We're here to stand up for, for what, what are we standing up here for? You know, what is, right. what is it that we're trying to prove here? Because you're not protecting the women that make up your sport. You're just not, you're, you're allowing for an incredible advantage physically to infiltrate the sport. And it's just, to me, it's like more of a, like it's, it's a bigger testament to the fact that we can't call a spade a spade. Right. You know? Yeah. It, it makes me think that like the only way to like, a like fix this is it's like, do we then say like, okay, as the PGA, women can now participate. Like if, if, if you identify as a woman, like based off of if you were, how you were born, I guess, like, I think there's probably a couple of women that are on the LPGA that could hold their own in in a tour. And and obviously you said her name was Haley. Yes. Haley Davidson. Was she a pro golfer before? No, she wasn't because she's up and coming right now. I'd be interested, like put her on the PGA tour. Like, why does that have to be just men and, and like, just have it be a thing where like you, you can play, I don't know how you do it, but like play as the sex you were born, no matter how you identify now. But like, if you were born a man, you could still play in the PGA, even though you're a woman that way you, it's like, cause it's not like transgender people or, or anything of that nature shouldn't not be allowed to like ever participate in a Agreed. sport. You know Agreed. what I mean? So there's gotta Agreed, be, and, yes. and like, there's not enough of them to have like a transgender sports league. But it's interesting that you don't have a bunch of transgender men trying to play sports that biological men are playing. And that's for a reason. Right. Exactly. For sure. But on the flip side, I mean, they should still be able to participate. So I feel like maybe if you feel, if you want to do that, you should be able to participate in the sport to which sex you were born into, no matter what you identify as now. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah, that Haley yeah. girl should be able to play on the PGA cause she was born a man. You know, I also don't see why women can't play in the PGA. Like that seems like one sport where it'd be really interesting to, you could have women beating men for sure. I'm sure there's no regulation against it. I'm sure there's nothing stopping them other no. than their physical incapabilities against the best men in the world. I mean, look, you can't, you, it would be like asking, and this was brought up too. It'd be like asking Serena Williams to go play on the men's circuit of tennis. Could she beat like 50% of those dudes? Probably without yeah. even blinking an eye, but the best of the best it's, it's just, I want to see that, man. It would be awesome. It, but it, it's, you know, 
and it's like I said, what was it? The I forget her name. The Battle of Sexes match back, and I think this is before we were born in like the '80s. And it was it was a big primetime deal, and it was a, it was a professional a woman uh, tennis player, very famous. And if you're oh, it's a movie. This, yeah, it's a movie too. Is it a movie? And she beat him, and that was cool. Billie Jean King. Billie Jean King. Thank you. Who did she Who did she play? Bobby Riggs. Okay, yeah, and she beat him. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Straight sets. Good for I her. Think. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and to say that somebody can't participate in something just because that they're, uh, have decided to change their gender is, is another thing that, that we don't really want to get into, but it shouldn't be controversial that we, we have to have a hard line biologically. We have to call a spade a spade. Right. And if that hurts feelings and if that makes people offended and uncomfortable, then that is what has to happen because there is no room for this, for this to happen. You know, it it just, it, it, to me, it doesn't, there's nothing here. I can't see an argument where this makes sense other than you're trying to cater to somebody's feelings or a greater ideology. Right. And and while you were just talking, I I just did some Googling uh, to my point about a woman on the PGA there is no rule against women playing in PGA Tour events. Only a few have tempted the feet. No female golfer has ever succeeded in finishing a men's tour event. So they didn't even make the cut. They didn't make the cut. So your point is correct. And, you know, so we, we shall see. But I, I think I think you're right. I think you need to take a stance at some point on this stuff. And, and we're all about being inclusive. But at this point, it's like it becomes like a women's rights issue where like, their their sports are going to start being dominated by men like people who previously were men you know and that's not that's not fair for them when they, when they all want to you know play a, a sport you know it's it's just it just muddies the water and it just makes it fun for nobody even if it doesn't get to that point even if it's just one tournament that this person wins you can't, you, you can't in good faith say that that person won that tournament because of their abilities naturally, just like everybody else, like just the standard that everybody else was held to. And, you know, up until very recently, we were fighting for women to participate and have their own avenue of these sports. I mean, the, MB- the WNBA is 25 years old, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm like that. It's really, really new. And to me, this just spits in the face of all that effort. This just takes all that effort and just stomps on it and just says, well, well now, now we have a loophole. Because that's what it is. It's a loophole. I don't right. care how much just estrogen that you're taking as a, as a transgender man, um, or excuse me, transgender woman. It, it's not, it's not the same. It's like opportunity for someone who maybe wasn't good at sports previously to now like feel better about themselves because... And that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> Who are these people that are doing this with the clear knowledge that they don't have, that they have the advantages that they have mm-hmm. and are, are, are now, you know, operating in these, in these waters. I mean, to me, it's like, and anyway, I, like I said, I'm not here to judge this person. They want to go play golf and they're allowed to do it, but I don't believe that they should be allowed to. No. Um, where are we at? Are we coming up on time here? We're coming up on it. Uh, you had an interesting story about a drug bust, though. Yes, quick story. Quick story uh, on a on a drug bust. Um, 
a New Jersey judge has now extended Fourth Amendment rights to your fuck buddy. Fourth Amendment is the right to not have your home uh, improperly searched or seizured without a warrant. So there was a guy um, who was charged with dealing heroin and weapons, right? Uh, But he was arrested at the home of uh, friends with benefits or someone that he had slept with once before. Okay. He's at this house. Police had a warrant for his arrest and they arrested him at the house, but they didn't have a warrant that would allow them to search his home. So they found this Gucci bag with 109 vials of heroin and a semi-automatic handgun. And so according to the judge, the police did not have the warrant to search his house and the protections of his house extend to his fuck buddy's house because Mm. it's not, what were the words? Is it's not just a casual acquaintance? Yes. The ruling suggests that the home of a... Oh, yeah. Here we go. The ruling suggests that the home of a casual sexual acquaintance carries the same legal protections as the home of a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Now, this kind of opens up a can of worms because if you're out here dealing drugs or doing some, some, some shady activity, then all you need to do is have somebody that you're having sex with and start stashing stuff at their house. Mm-hmm. And they would need a warrant to search your house in order to bust you for stuff that you've kept outside of your house, which is interesting. Could they use a warrant f- that they got for your house to search your fuck buddy's house? Yeah, I think I think on the other end of that, if they were to attain a warrant, they say, yeah, I, we can search your house. And you have... Um, these known acquaintances. These known acquaintances, things like that. Then it's, it sounds uh, like they can, they can execute that warrant at a house where uh, you're just so i guess it's kind of that opens sides, a can of worms man like if you want to gr- grab this this gang leader drug dealer you can get a warrant for his you know pusher on the street and well, but, no i guess it's no. Sac- oh yeah you, know, you, you would have to get a warrant for his home and then you would be able to search this other but you couldn't get a warrant for you couldn't get a warrant for somebody else's home based on this guy gotcha okay okay yeah 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 um, weird. So yeah, very weird. I think, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know. Hmm. I mean, it, it looks like it's going to get this guy off or at least reduced whatever he was doing. Um, but I think it does. I think it, if you're able to get that warrant, then it extends your reach a little bit further. If you're, if you're law enforcement. Yeah. Right. Very, very interesting. We're getting close here. I do want to mention that this episode, as all our episodes, was brought to you by Gun Barrel Coffee. Drinking a good, smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself, but when it helps American heroes like veterans and first responders, it is that much better. Gun Barrel Coffee is proud to donate $1 from every item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across the country. From their medium blend, the mother of all beans, which I've been drinking lately, to their double dark, the battleship roast, and even their CBD infused blend, the medic. All of their coffees are great, smooth, no acid or bitterness, delicious coffee. Uh, They now just recently announced they have their own hot sauce that has coffee in it. Very excited to try that. Uh, For the coffee, they offer 14 different blends and roasts in which you can get in whole bean ground or in single serve pods. Right now, as a fan listener... Um, supporter of our podcast, you can go and use promo code FNH10, which will save you 10% at checkout when you shop at gunbarrelcoffee.com. Gun Barrel Coffee, 
damn good coffee, damn good cause. Um, yeah, good good episode today, Frank. For all the listeners, you guys want to find us, uh, let them know where to find us, Franklin. Uh, Instagram, Friendship News Hour. Twitter, Friendship NH. And you can email us at bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Everybody have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Adios.